0: afternoon. I hope you guys had a fantastic holiday weekend. I know I did. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I ate turkey, ham, mac and cheese, pumpkin pie. There was some type of sweet potato casserole mixed with pumpkin that I didn't try. Do I regret it? Maybe. Anyway, I had a really great time. I had two Thanksgivings, one on Thursday, the traditional, and one with friends yesterday. It was pretty nice. We all hung out with friends, uh, met new people. And honestly, had a blast. Anyway, like I said, I hope you guys had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is always awesome spending time with the ones you love, whether or not they're related to you or not. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and continue with this week's episode. And let's go ahead and get started with comics. Now, for comics, uh, we're going to be talking about Alien 2022, issue number two. Now, I talked about issue number one before. So, if you don't remember, there were Synthetics on a Planet... They were contacted by a general, offered US citizenship, or whatever the company is, and was basically promised that if they complete this mission, they would have rights and wouldn't have to hide anymore. Anyway, uh, going off of that, uh, the synthetics are in the ship getting briefed for the mission. Uh, they are led to believe that there is no life on the planet because of the radiation and because they believe that no living thing could survive the radiation. The general tells them to be careful and not to go anywhere they don't have to and don't open doors they don't have to. Once they arrive on the planets, they see that a lot of the radiation has taken its toll on the planet's weather. Uh, Once they touch down, they also explore and go towards where they need to. Uh, They also admire the, um, uh, what's that word? Um, the act, uh, Agriculture and the architecture as well. Uh, once they go down to where the egg they needs to be, they see that it's gone. Their egg is not there and it's missing. Uh, one of the synthetics sees a cage with a bunch of bugs which interests them because they believe that almost no organic life could survive, which means the bugs adapted. Now, they begin to hear banging noises. Uh, once they go down to what they believe is human life, they end up in the middle of an alien nest and they step right into a trap. The aliens begin to attack and they return fire. One of them comments that, hey, they usually don't attack synthetics unless they, it's a last resort. So I guess these aliens are predisposed to attack anything which is very interesting. One of the synthetics is stabbed and hoisted away, the other members give chase and get him back. He's injured but he can still walk. They attempt to get out when a door opens revealing more aliens but they're quickly killed by humans to the disbelief of the synthetics. The comic ends with them saying, hey, you guys need to come with us. Uh, all in all, this was actually a pretty cool issue. I really liked how it was uh, kind of showing that humans actually survived a place that's full with radiation. Not something that hasn't been done before, especially if you watch Star Trek The Next Generation. But interesting story. Very curious to see how it leads. And speaking of curious, we're going to go ahead and continue with issue number three. Yes. I am treating you guys today. Also, I gotta say, it's very interesting how someone can be stabbed in the chest and be like, you know what? I may be injured, but I can still walk. (laughs) Anyway, uh, issue three, the humans take the synthetics to their camp, which they have several and have been hiding for the aliens for decades. Once there, they talk about how they've been keeping quiet and making sure not to go to the near the nest, because if the aliens are disturbed, they go into some type of hibernation, which is something we've actually seen in the movies. Anyway, uh, they talk, uh, the synthetics talk about how they need to get the egg and explain how their mission is to use the egg to save uh, the planet that is going nuclear. And they need to make sure they can save it because the planet is the biggest um, operation where they can grow food. And if that dies, then multiple planets will starve and will die out. Uh, they begin talking while a human goes through the synthetics' bags. Uh, One of the synthetics catches them and she shows him a broken vial and asks what was in there. It's revealed that he took one of the bugs and one of the bugs he sees is on her skin without her noticing and goes towards under her shirt. He says nothing, which is kind of dumb, but I mean, again, this dude has problems with humans. And while talking, the humans agree to help the synthetics get the egg. They reveal that uh, the only place to get the egg is where a nest is, and they wouldn't be able to get the egg away without killing the queen. So they got to go in guns blazing. Uh, they also uh, basically begin to go over there in the rain about two days because while the rain is. V- riddled with radiation, it's the only way that can cover their scent, which kind of makes sense. Uh once they are down to where the nest is, they take the the synthetics take the lead, basically destroying aliens left and right, but notice that the humans fell back. As they notice the leader traps them down there, saying that they cannot take the egg back because it will spell out doom for the universe if the alien escapes. The issue ends with the queen beginning to get up. Now this is actually a pretty like I don't want to say bad issue. But it was actually very interesting, to say the least. While we don't get a lot of background on the synthetics, which kind of sucks, because it'd be kind of interesting to see, hey, why do they distrust humans? What the heck happened? Instead of, hey, this guy distrusts humans to distrust humans. Uh, it's not bad writing, but it could be a little better. But on and on, not a decent issue. I gotta love, I gotta say, I love the fact that, um... Oh, <laughs> uh, So uh, when they were fighting down there uh, One of the ladies was already getting wobbly because of the bug So I'm very curious to see how what that leads to I believe this is only a four issue run So the next issue will be the last So hopefully it's not rushed and we get to see what comes next I really like what Marvel's doing with the Alien universe Kind of expanding with different stories And with them coming up with a TV show coming out soon It should be good If it's anything like Prey, I'm definitely excited Alright, that's it for Marvel. We're going to be moving on to DC. Now, Dark Crisis issue number 6 is a very crazy issue. All the heroes that are left is attacking the Darkness' army. Meanwhile, the Justice League is finding a way to get back, but Oliver talks about how he might not be able to go back with them. Meanwhile, John and the rest of the Titans are losing the battle. They're getting overwhelmed, and many people begin to die including Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, and a few others. Uh, John is doing his best to hold back everybody, even without the help of other heavy hitters. Uh, Mr. Terrific with Black Adam have a plan to use Pariah's machine against him. They get it to the outside where they aim at Pariah, but Mr. Terrific needs time to set it up. He gets help with uh, Lucius Fox's son, who's playing Batman. Uh, John and the rest of the Titans also begin to fight further, with the other heroes joining in. And they buy enough time for uh, Mr. Terrific to get the machine to work, and they kill Pariah. John, from exhaustion from fighting back Doomsday, uh, Darkseid, Eclipso, and a bunch of other heavy hitters slumps down to his knees. Black Adam tries to rush to save him from an attacking Doomsday. But Superman and the rest of the League with the GL Army, if you don't know what GL means, Green Lantern, come in for the save. And Oliver is nowhere to be seen, so don't know what's going on with him. Hopefully he's not dead dead, because that would suck. And everyone wonders why the darkness is still around. It's shown that when Pariah was killed, all the darkness went into Deathstroke. And now the next issue is called Everyone Versus Deathstroke. Now this was actually a pretty good issue and it makes me wonder how this will affect the future of DC or it will do anything at all because DC likes to ignore a lot of stuff at the best of times. If you don't believe me, look how many issues are going on right now with no uh, hint that this actually affects the DC Universe. Maybe it will. Maybe we'll get something like the New 52 where everything resets with new issues number one. Who knows? Honestly, it's DC, so we'll see where it goes. And hopefully uh, the heroes that die don't stay dead. Because I would still love to see Booster Gold go out there and make some trouble. Anyway, that's it for uh, DC and comics. We're going to be moving on to TV shows. Now, Andor's final two episodes. They were absolutely terrific and they were wild especially when it came to showing what happened to Lutheran and the others. Uh one thing I did not expect was the senator to put in pieces for her husband's downfall. As you remember, she's being spied on by her driver by ISB and she begins to mention while the driver's listening, "Hey, I think you're gambling again even though it's illegal." The husband says he's not he doesn't gamble anymore putting in the steps so when the ISB takes a look at their finances, hey, there's some discrepancies. this explains that because it's the husband. Now, one thing that kind of sucks and I feel really bad for the senator is she actually went through with a plan from the broker for her daughter to be married to the guy's son to get that extra money. Now, whether or not this is a good plan or not is to, is yet to be seen. And the fact that their culture allows for marriage so young is kind of scary. Anyway, uh, sparks of the rebellion seem to be taking place because of what was happening on the planet. Uh, One thing I loved was how everybody starts attacking the Empire and you come to realize that stormtrooper armor can't protect against crap. Everything is going wild. Explosions, people dying. Uh, The ISB lady, I forgot her name, she goes down... Uh everyone's attacking her and the dude who was with the uh security forces saves her and they look at each other. I'm thinking like are they going to kiss or what? Uh one thing that I loved about it was it showed that um Andor went back to save his friends. They escaped. The robot was really the gut-wrenching part, especially how he missed the owner even though she died and he was still loyal to her. Oh god. One thing I will say this is season two is going to be absolutely crazy. And I wonder if Alec Tudyk's character will be introduced then because that robot in Rogue One was absolutely hilarious. One thing I will say also was the fact that the funeral scenes basically showed how bad the Empire was, especially when it came to planets trying to reach out out of their control. One thing I did appreciate was at the end credit, we got to see exactly what all the pieces they were working on, went to and I kind of saw it coming but it was still beautiful to see the Death Star which is going to play a critical role in about hopefully in the next season or two because they'll already know what the Death Star is or have an idea of what the Empire is working on and when it comes to the plans we all know what happens in Rogue One. Anyway uh, that's it for TV shows we're moving on to movies. Now I finally saw Black Adam and I gotta say the movie was okay uh, it definitely makes some establishments for the new timeline in DC Universe for movies and will most likely give us a roadmap for the future, especially since the JSA has been stated to been around for decades, especially with heroes like Dr. Fate, uh, I forgot the other dude's name, Atomic something, uh, Hawkeye, so we'll see what happens and hopefully this spells out a new golden era for DC, especially with James Gunn holding the helm. I did love the after credit with uh, Superman and Black Adam talking. It was definitely fantastic. And I'm curious to see what the fate of Dr. Fate is going to be, especially after you see Hawkeye pick up the helmet. Is he going to be a hybrid? Who knows? Or is he going to look for a new person to take up the responsibility? Anyway, like I said, it was okay, not too bad, not too worse. Honestly, I've seen worse DC movies. Moving on, Violet Knight is releasing this upcoming Friday, and honestly, I cannot wait for the release. The trailers look amazing, I love David Harbour, and hopefully it lives up to the greatness that it looks like it's going to. And that's it for movies, we're going to be moving on to video games. So, apparently, Marvel's Avengers is apparently too stubborn to die. Because it is trying to revive what little players it has left. You know what I mean about that? They're adding the Winter Soldier. Which looks like a clone of Captain America's abilities and Black Widow's. Is this going to be good? Who knows? Should uh, Should they make this game free to play so everybody can play? Yes. You know why I say this? Because it doesn't have enough of a player base to continue. And it probably never will. This game is running on fumes when it comes to a player base because, I mean, while they've released some content, it hasn't fixed the current problems that have plagued this entire run of a video game. And honestly, with them being able to say, hey, that we put all of the microtrans boxes in this and compare it to Guardians of the Galaxy, which didn't have these problems because it was a single player based game, didn't have any online aspects and just stuck to a story, Guardians of the Galaxy Outshines this game 10 times And it sucks because Marvel's Avengers Had the potential to be a great game But because it was rushed Because of the microtransactions Because of the online aspect It didn't So hopefully we get to see something come out of this Maybe they'll make it free to play to game bag players Honestly it would be the smart thing to do Moving on uh, Apparently Elden Ring is trying to make a Board game hybrid open world RPG And is basically gonna have 90 plus hours of gameplay and it should be similar to lord of the rings board game now this is kind of interesting and i hope it does well but 90 plus hours of gameplay in a board game jesus that's a lot and apparently each session will be at the minimum at the minimum, 120 minutes, so 2 hours. I gotta say, that's a lot of hours to be putting into a board game. Then again, I mean, some board games are really fun like that. I would have trouble finding the time. I like, and I mean, I play D&D, so I can't really talk on that aspect. But who knows? Hopefully, Elden Ring's game is fantastic, and everybody who has 2 hours to spare will have a good time. Anyway, uh The Witcher's next-gen update is arriving soon, so anyone who has never played The Witcher or has played The Witcher, will be able to experience it in PS5, Xbox Series X, and all the new graphics in all its new glory. So hopefully it's good, and we'll see what happens next. Hopefully there's not too many glitches, because uh, as much as I love CD Projekt Red, we all know what happened with Cyberpunk. Anyway, uh, Battlefield is now on Game Pass. So like I've said before, this is a very interesting move for the franchise, because it will allow players to play the game, That has been getting trampled on by reviewers, players for being super buggy, not enough content, and the stuff that has plagued this game since the beginning. So with it being free to play, hopefully this will allow players to come in and give the game a chance. Now like I said before, hopefully Battlefield makes a comeback like Battlefield 4 did and becomes one of the greatest games of this generation. Anyway, that's it for video games. We're going to be moving on to Nerd Theories. Now... I gotta say, I believe wholeheartedly that Ubisoft has absolutely no idea what to do with their Tom Clancy franchise. Almost all of the Tom Clancy game series have fallen after the death of Tom Clancy. And they Ubisoft has released multiple games that have left players stumped. Riddled with microtransactions, boring plots, it's been absolutely hell. And a lot of the games have had mixed reactions, at best. And they've been focusing so much on multiplayer games, with basically one of the only few successes being Rainbow Six Siege. Now, many of you will argue that there have been other great games like uh, Wild Recon and stuff. All those games were great, those were still games that were around with Tom Clancy. Afterwards, we got a bunch of uh, Tom Clancy games which weren't really that good. And honestly, a lot of fans have been asking for years, years for them to make a new Splinter Cell game, which they they actually decided to do. They were like, you know what, we're going to make a new Splinter Cell game. It's going to be a remake, retelling the original game, but with better graphics, better gameplay and stuff like that. I believe that they're doing this now because they believe that their franchise is basically circling the drain, which I have to agree with. They're trying to pull out a Hail Mary to try to save the franchise with a game from a series that everybody's been asking for because when it comes to uh, Splinter Cell, we've been only able to get hints of this game franchises through other games and it's been okay at best. Like I said, hopefully Ubisoft knows what they're doing with this franchise and hopefully they're taking steps to release a game once every few years. Whether it be multiplayer, single-player games, but hopefully they bring the quality that once had the Tom Clancy franchise held so high. Like I said, who knows? Hopefully it happens, but it's Ubisoft, so we'll wait to see. Anyway, uh, that's about it for Nerd Theories. We're moving on to current events. Now, for those of you who don't know, Elden Ring won the Golden Joystick Award, which is actually one of the longest-running game awards out there. Now, do I think Elden Ring definitely deserved to win? Of course, Elden Ring is such a fantastic game. And I'm really happy for the studio to win this award. Now, whether or not this means they'll lead them into the Game of the Year Awards, who knows. When it comes to the Joystick Award, uh, that one is totally up to the fans. The fans vote on the games and its fan base. Uh, When it comes to the Game of the Year Awards... They do have a fan-based one where people can vote, but other times it's basically voted upon by judges. So we'll see what happens. I'm really hoping God of the War takes the W, but if it's Elden Ring, honestly, I wouldn't be too mad because Elden Ring is such a great game that either or will work out for me. But again, really hoping for God of the, God of War to take the W. Anyway, we'll find out in about two weeks and we'll see who's right, who's wrong, and if there's an upset again. Anyway, uh, that's it for this week's episode. I know it's really short, but then again, it's Thanksgiving weekend. I didn't know if I was going to do an episode or not, but you know what? Decided to do it. Anyway, I hope you guys have a good rest of your week, and hopefully you guys get to see good movies. And here it is. We're near Christmas, so here comes Mariah Carey songs, right? <laughs> you can't hold it back any longer. The next holiday up is Christmas. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Sayonara, and see you later.